I basically work on one thing at a time. I launch it successfully, make it great. Yeah, NFT did two and a half million dollars. You know, that it was a very successful thing, and it will continue to be successful. How, hold on, from the time you launched to today, how many? How long has it been? Um, well, we launched it last week, so it's been a week. Yo, how much? Two and a half million mm-hmm. in a week? Yeah. Well, right, I, I should say we we did some pre-sales before, so we had already been collecting the money up until launch. But you know, how long were the pre-sales? I kept pre-sale open for like a week, like maybe uh, a month and a half ago. I opened it up for pre-sale. Said, "Hey guys, you can buy it at this super cheap price. Pre-sale, buy it," and that did over two million dollars. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast, where we find dope people that did dope stuff. Today is no different. I am in Vegas. It's hot out here, 111 degrees, and it's about to get even hotter in this studio. We have Ryan Pineda. What's happening, my brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Hey, I don't think you know this, but we don't have any AC in the studio. No? It's too loud. We took it all out. So, you know, you're right. It is going to get hot. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So because of the sound of the AC, you took the AC out. Yep. So you'd rather be hot and produce than be comfortable with a little sound? It, it's all about the the uh, audience's experience, dude. I'll have to suffer so we can get clean audio. I don't know. That. I love y'all. I don't know if I have that type of dedication. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I've, I've learned that. I ask, just asked your team, like, what, uh, what did they learn from you most? And they all said uh, discipline, consistency, like structuring business, like really getting after it. Would you think that that's what they would say? Is that what you're trying to impart on your team? You know, I don't know that it's what I'm trying to, you know, I guess impart on them, as you would say. Like, I think I'm just being myself and I'm driven to succeed and I know the things that it takes to succeed. You got to have discipline. You got to be consistent. Um, you know, I learned that playing sports my whole life. And it just so happens that I think people take notice and, you know, they want to kind of take some of those attributes. Yeah. But if somebody leaves your team, right, you would hope that they say, I learned this. What mm-hmm. would be that this? Like, I'm, I'm, be- I'm a better person because I work with them. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing, you, from your perspective, I yeah. say, man, I would love for them to say that. You know, for me, as a Christian, my whole deal is like, hopefully they impart for me like, yeah, that guy, he walked in faith. Like everything he did was faith-based, whether it was, you know, talking about Jesus or anything else, but you could see it in all the business decisions of like, yo, you can see he does not know how this is going to play out or what's going to happen, but you can just see that there's faith that it's going to all work itself out and be just fine. And so instead of having stress and anxiety and all these things that you see are very common characteristics of business people, hopefully they can just see like, yeah, I mean, like, I watched a ton of things go wrong and his faith never wavered. Yeah. That's I what that. I hope. I love that. All right. So we got to talk about some of the things that, uh, that you've accomplished in your life. And you were kind of telling me some of your businesses you got, how many units of real estate? Um, over 550 now. Over 550 units that pay you every single month. Mm-hmm. You still do flips. Mm-hmm. How many per year? You know, our goal is to do over 100 a year. Um, I think we're slowing down now with the market changing. But, uh, man, I mean, I flipped over 500 homes. So, yeah. And, but that's not it. What else you do? You do a lot. <laughs> you know, we got education um, for multiple things. You know, we teach people how to invest in real estate in one company. 
We um, train realtors in another company. We've got a women's mastermind for entrepreneurs. You're not even a woman. I'm not a woman, obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got a great partner in that company and uh, it's doing really well. We just launched that uh, about a, uh, a month and a half ago. And whose idea was it, yours or hers? Well, basically how that one came about is like most of my businesses. I don't really plan these things. They're opportunities that come up. And when I look at them and I look at the problem they solve, the hole in the market, the, you know, obviously upside as a business with revenue, uh, I just make a decision whether or not it's worth it. And so with this women's mastermind, it's called Wealthy Woman. Um, obviously, I wasn't looking to start a women's mastermind. <laughs> right. But um, this girl, Heather, she's a very successful entrepreneur, entrepreneur, multimillionaire. She owns like $30 million of real estate, single mom, three kids, crushing it. And she goes to me and says, she just came to the event, one of my events for Future Flipper, my education company. She goes, this is great, but there's not a lot of women. Yeah. And I said, I know, I wish there was, but it's just, we have a hard time attracting women to these events. And real estate is a industry like that in general. It's very male dominated, no matter what you do. Mm. Um, other forms of entrepreneurship are much more equal, you know, whether it be e-commerce or things like that. But real estate is very male dominated. Whenever I go to a real estate event, it doesn't matter who it is, 90% dudes. Yeah. And I said, yeah, if we could fix that, that'd be great. Like, Give me an example. And we started talking about it. And she's like, look, I would love to basically work with you guys in some way or another, whether that's on the future flipper side and helping lead women in that company or doing something completely different outside of that where we can create this community where women in future flipper can go, your audience, women can go and all that stuff. And so the more we thought about it, the more we realized on a broad level, there's not really many masterminds for women only entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so we just started thinking about it and talking about it, what it would look like. And sure enough, we launched it. Mm. So does she, she's like obviously in real estate, but is this her first venture in a business like this, like building community? Well, she had already had a community that was free. I think they had about a thousand women entrepreneurs mm. and, um, they were fine. They're doing it. They held a retreat before that some people in the community went to, and it was amazing. And I looked at it and said, I believe, you know, there are women entrepreneurs that follow me that would love this. But where I think there's actually an even bigger hole is in the spouses of entrepreneurs. And so mm. you and I are entrepreneurs, yeah. right? You know, I just met your wife. I don't know what her role is in the business, but my wife doesn't really, um, she's not involved in my businesses. You know, she's a stay-at-home mom with my two kids. See, boo, it's yeah. okay. It's she's, all good. She's yeah. the best at it too, yeah. in the world. My, my wife does not want to work with me, period. And <laughs> nor do I really want to work with her. Like, that's just, it works great that way. But we, we love having that separation between business and family. And so even when I come home, she doesn't really ask me about business, you know? Like, she knows my brain is already fried from all the things that I do every day that she's like, trying to break it up and like, Hey, let's talk about the family and the kids and what happened today. And you know, all this stuff. Right. But what I realized was there's a lot of entrepreneurs in future flipper that have marital problems for one reason or another, right there. Maybe their wife is involved in their business. Maybe not, you know, maybe they're not spending enough time together. Maybe there there's a ton of issues that cause marriage problems in entrepreneurship. And so the more I thought about it, the more I said, dude, actually it's not the women 
that are only the people that would want this, but it's the couples as a whole. Like, hey, how do I reach out to the men and say, hey guys, this is really important for your wife to have a community with other women who understand the struggles that they're going through as maybe a stay-at-home mom, as a partner in an, uh, an entrepreneurship relationship. And um, that's the problem we're trying to solve is create the community for women. Because you and I have communities. Yeah. I'm in a bunch of masterminds. <laughs> Absolutely, you and I both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that is a problem to solve. My, my, my question for you is, because you run so many businesses, you have how many employees across all your businesses? We're probably close to 100. Close to 100. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you do it all? I'm building like two, and it's obviously kind of learning entrepreneurship and like leadership. And like, how do you manage it all? Because some people would see you and say, oh, well, I can do multiple things. I have multiple streams of income like Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And that's not the best advice for that person no. specifically. No. But how do you build it all and partnerships? And how do you do it? So it's definitely not a skill that um, I just started off off the bat with, right? It took time to develop the skill and learn how to create businesses from scratch and how to build the proper systems and processes to essentially have it run without me having to do everything day to day, right? So, you know, my first business was like my first successful business was the house flipping business. And so that was all I focused on. That was it. And sure enough, you know, I learned how to build a sales team, build a marketing team, ops, admin stuff, me leading it as the COO. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I, I, I got to slow down. It's like, yo, you, you started, this is your first business. You eventually started with one house. Yep. Of yep. course. By myself. But then we're going to like learn how to build a sales team and all that. And there's a lot of steps in between that. So yep. before you started flipping houses, what were you doing before that? Okay. All right. So before that, I was actually a professional baseball player. Really? Yeah. So Who I did for? Oakland A's. So I didn't try to get in business or anything. All I wanted to do is play Major League Baseball. So I got drafted uh, when I was 21 in 2010. Got drafted. Um, most people don't know in the minor leagues, you make like no money. I was making 1200 bucks a month. And so, and that was only when I was playing, by the way. So for six months out of the year, I made 1200 bucks a month. The other six months, I had to figure out a way to make money. And it's not like I could go get a job because... I have to leave for six months. So essentially, I was already doing side hustle culture mm. out of necessity. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so I'm pursuing my dream, playing baseball, being broke, all this stuff. Um, I start looking at different side hustles without, you know, at the time, there wasn't really this big YouTube thing or Instagram or TikTok where everybody's talking about side hustles and ways to make money. Mm. I'm literally just looking at the world and saying, how can I make money? So the first thing I did was become a realtor because I said, well, I could sell houses on the side and then do that. Well, I did that for a couple of years, hated it, you know. Did you hate most about it? <laughs> Working with people. Uh, <laughs> no, no what, I, what I hated the most was back in 2010, it was a totally different time than it is today, right? We had just come out of the recession. People were still super scared. People had just got wrecked and prices were at all-time lows. And so I remember as a fresh face in the game, looking at these houses. And mind you, a lot of these houses here in Vegas, Vegas got hit harder than any other city in the world. Really? Yep. We had the most foreclosures, the biggest drops. It was the worst. And I remember looking at a house that was built in 2008, okay? Selling in 2010. It sold in 2008, brand new, for like 350 grand, okay? In 2010, I show this house as a realtor. 
and it's listed at like $90,000. What? It's only two years old. Like nobody had ever even- Oh my gosh. And that was normal, right? And I'm showing it to the guy and I'm like, this is a great deal. This house is brand new. It would just sold for 350. Like this is a great deal at $90,000. He's like, yeah, but you know, I still think it's going to go down. And I'm just like, <laughs> look, I'm 21. I don't know what I don't know, but common sense said, no, it's not. Like, is it going to be free? No. Like, <laughs> do you think it's free? How is this going to go down? Right, right. And it was at that point. And, and okay. And the worst part about that was I didn't sell that house. Okay. Cause he thought it would be free one day or something. I don't know. But the worst part was had I even sold it, I would have made like $2,500. Right. So like I'm working to try and make 2,500. And that, that, that was the reality of being a realtor back then, where even if you did sell a house, which was really hard because everybody had just declared bankruptcy, had a short sale, whatever, they couldn't qualify for loans. Um, the commission was tiny. So after a couple of years, I said, this, this sucks. I'm done with this. You didn't, never made like any significant, you didn't get much traction going as a result? Well, you got to remember, for one, I never liked it. It was always just something to do. But two, I was pursuing baseball. Yeah. You know, my thing was, I'm going to get to the big leagues. This is just, I got to pay some bills. Yeah, for sure. So I was never passionate about real estate. I hated it, actually. Gotcha. And then eventually you get a big break to go to the well, NBA? no. So I never made it to the big leagues. No. Um, in fact, what happened is... In, Hold on, Oakland A's, isn't that a... Did you play for them? In the minor, so I got drafted by them. You know, in, in baseball, you got to go through the minor leagues gotcha. to get to the big leagues. You know, getting drafted is something that 99% of, you know, people never get to experience, right? And then out of that draft pool, only 1% make it to the big leagues. You know, the other 99% will not make it, right? Maybe that's $1,500 a month. Yeah, you're grinding for a dream. And so for me, um, my dream was to get to the big leagues. And so for three years, I was just basically being a realtor on the side, focused on baseball in the off season. And, um, after three years, the Oakland A's released me mm. and they said, Hey bro, you're not good enough. Essentially good luck in life. And that was the first time in my life at 20, basically 24 years old where I was like, man, what am I going to do with my life? Because for my entire life, I've been the best at this sport, freaking high school, you know, little league, all stars, high school, uh, being a, a freshman on varsity, playing shortstop, batting third, to going to college, um, being an All-American, being the player of the year, getting drafted, to then three years later, them saying, you're not good enough. And essentially, you know, your career's over, you could try to continue to play in other leagues and things. But, you know, at that point, it was the first time in my life where I was like, wow, what am I going to do with my life? Heartbreaking, isn't it, though? I'll tell you, I personally am a very optimistic person. I, I've never had to really go through depression, but that was the closest point in my life where I'd say like, man, I was depressed for, <laughs> I'm quick to get over things for like a week. Yeah, yeah, for like for a sure. week, I was like, dude, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. And I think after a week I came to acceptance. I was like, you know what? I'm good. Even if I never like play baseball again, I'm good. Um, what ended up happening was though, I ended up playing five more years in independent baseball mm -hmm. because I just loved baseball, even though the dream kept getting further and further away from getting to the big leagues. But I loved playing in front of fans professionally and 
competing and all that stuff. So long story short, um, I get released from baseball. I fail as a realtor. I hate it. I don't know where my career is going. Also, I'm engaged to get married um, to my now wife, who is, man, was she 19 years old at the time? She was 19 and, or 20. And she's in school making no money to become a teacher to basically make no money. <laughs> and so, you know. <laughs> to make a little more than no money. But I would have been hyped at the time, seriously. I'm looking at her like, okay, when she graduates, we're going to be making 40 grand a year with hers. It's stable. We've never had a stable income in our entire lives. Like that's pretty good. And we were always frugal. So we were like 40 grand's enough. And I was like, I just got to figure out what I want to do. Well, this led me down to my first successful event in my life of making money that now kind of got famous on social media, which was couch flipping. And so- Couch flipping. Yeah, basically, um, my wife and I got married later that year, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have money, obviously. And so I furnished our first apartment together um, for like a thousand bucks. You know, I bought (laughs) a couch for a hundred bucks, a bed for like a hundred bucks. I bought it all on Craigslist, right? And furnished this entire house for like a thousand bucks. And I remember at the time, I'd given up real estate and I started doing substitute teaching. And I'll substitute. Your story is crazy, bro. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know people never like see this part of it. Like they yeah. see like, you know, multimillionaire and the big funds and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Man, this is so encouraging though. Cause there's some people. This right is the now. journey. This is part yeah. of the journey for anyone listening. So like, and I was completely lost. I was just kind of biding my time until God essentially revealed what is the big plan. I was being patient. And so I'm a substitute teacher. I'm making about a hundred dollars a day babysitting some dumb kids for six hours. And I was such a bad sub, just not I'm like putting in the t- tape. I'm just pissed at just sitting there to make a hundred bucks. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, you know, I did such a good job furnishing that apartment for a thousand bucks. I bet you I could sell this for like 3000. And that's way more than what I'm making Mm, sell all the stuff you bought for 3000 Yeah. I, I was like, easily. Because I was always a good negotiator and deal finder. And that was also part of the reason why in real estate, as a realtor, I got pissed because I was good at identifying deals, but I didn't have cash to buy them. And my buyers couldn't see what I saw. Mm. So that's why I got frustrated as a realtor. Um, so anyways, I said, you know what? I'm going to test it out. So while I'm subbing, I'm looking up furniture on Craigslist and I I identify a good one. I text the guy. I'm like, I'll pick it up tonight. So go pick up this couch, um, for like a hundred bucks or something, put it in our little apartment. My wife's like, what is going on here? You know, why did you buy another couch? And I'm like, like, well, I think I can make some money on this. And sure enough, a few days later, I sold the couch for 300 bucks. And I said, wow, that took me two hours to do. I made 200 bucks versus sitting in this classroom for six hours to make a hundred. I was like, what if I just found one of these a day? If I just found one good deal a day, I could make 200 bucks a day. That's six grand a month. That's way better than anything we've ever done. And I said, let's do it. So I ended up going on Craigslist. I bought a truck for $1,500. And I said, I'm going all in at this. I rented a storage unit for like 150 bucks a month. And 
I just went to work. I started just hunting deals all day. I bought any good deal I saw, whether it was a table, a couch, an appliance, any household item you might need, I bought it. And I started to realize people were willing to pay a premium if you offered free delivery. And so I said, hey, I'll I'll give you free delivery. I'll drop it off at your house, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, it just started to go bang, bang, bang. Um, You know, first month, make a couple thousand. The next month, doing more. You know, 2,000 turns to 4,000. 4,000 turns to six. Eventually, I was making 8,000 a month net. Goodness gracious. Yeah, and I was like, this is nuts that this is a thing. Nobody's doing it. And I remember... What year is this? This was, I started it at the end of 2014. And I did it for like probably a year and a half. Um, Only while I was playing though. So it's not like we were getting rich. I'd do it for six months, kill it, go play, make no money. Right. (laughs) And then then do it again. So. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations or multiple systems on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. and it, It will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash socialproof. That's netsuite.com slash socialproof. netsuite.com slash socialproof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. 
Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Um, we were living totally great. It was more money than we'd ever made in our lives, and it was great. Um, but eventually, what happened was, even though I got really good at couch flipping, um, I just remember feeling like, all right, this is, like, I'm super grateful that, you know, God has blessed me and we're doing great, but this is not what I'm meant to do the rest of my life. Am I going to just buy and sell furniture forever, you know, with nothing beyond that? All right, listen, every single week, every episode, you hear me talking about the morningmeetup.com. It's the community. Let me show you what's happening here. Every single morning, Monday through Friday, there's 400 plus people on a Zoom call, right? We're learning, we're talking, we're growing together. And this is you. There's all these people here. It's all these people in the morning meetup. Hundreds of people reading books, growing. We get together quarterly. It's amazing. And for some reason, you just keep looking at, just go to themorningmeetup.com and get in the circle. And then you'll be like way happier. Just themorningmeetup.com. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, isn't it amazing though, Ryan, how you could be in a situation, you don't like the situation, like you start accomplishing something you've never, you know, saw yourself doing. Like you, you accomplish something major, and eventually that thing becomes kind of, kind of, dep- not depressing, but it's like ah, this isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A like I, I think we're, we we get through that. Like uh, uh, someone else, even at higher levels, somebody might be make. It was so crazy. We was at the uh, Grant Cardone's um, mastermind, and. From my perspective, it was different. There were some people that are making like $30 million, $40 million a year, and they say stuff like, man, I'm just I'm just stuck at $30 million. <laughs> I'm like, what? what like, what do, we, what do you mean stuck? No, no one can be stuck at $30 million. But like once you have, once you know you can do more, it almost seems like, mm-hmm. no matter where you are in the eyes of other people, it's like, yo, I've got to just do more. Yeah. But my question is, is that, that, does that ever stop? No, no, it doesn't ever stop. No, you're always striving to achieve more, which you don't really understand until you keep achieving more, right? <laughs> so, you know, for me, if you would have told me a year prior to flipping couches that, hey, dude, you're going to be making eight grand a month and not really even working that hard. Yeah. I'd be like, holy crap, this is amazing. I'd be chill just doing that the rest of my life. But, you know, you do it and you realize, man, I've mastered this there's not really much more to this, you know, like, am I going to go open up shops in other cities or anything else? But for me anyways, um, I remember praying, we were on our one year anniversary in New Orleans. Um, we were there to go watch the Packers play the Saints. Packers were always my favorite team growing up. Um, and I remember praying during that I was reflecting on our first year of marriage and I just said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? you know, is it baseball? It's, you know, I've already been released. It's looking like it's not going to happen in the big leagues. And I'm just kind of playing for fun at this point. Um, I don't think it's this couch living thing, even though it's been great in the long haul. 
what do you really want me to do? Because I don't have a career. And I remember him telling me real estate. And I'm thinking, why would I do real estate again? Like, I hated that. And all of a sudden, I see this commercial. It's like, hey, you know, learn how to flip houses with none of your own money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, that's a scam. (laughs) Yeah. And so (laughs) I've always been very pessimistic on like things like that. And I've always been guarded. And sure enough, I just felt God calling me like, hey, look into it, look into it. And I was like, fine. So I Google it. Can you buy real estate with no money? And then I see all these Google results um, and a website called Bigger Pockets pops up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's a podcast. Now. Yep. Yep. So this literally that year I looked it up, I think was their very first year doing the podcast. Oh, that's interesting. And so I, I go to this thing and sure enough, I start listening to the podcast and looking through the forums and I buy one of their books. One of the books was written by my now friend, Brandon Turner, who um, wrote how to buy houses with like low and no money down. I read it and I go, holy crap, you really can buy real estate without using your own money. There's these private money lenders, there's these hard money lenders, there's wholesaling. And essentially it's all this stuff that you never learn in realtor school because that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, I'm good at finding deals. I could totally do this and flip houses and I can go make 20 grand on a deal versus 200 bucks on a couch. Right. So I ended up, um, there's a lot that happens in between that, but I go home, I'm like, I'm all in. And I tell my wife, we're going to flip houses. She's like, cool. And I go, here's the problem though. You know, we still need to get some money for a down payment on these loans so I'm going to go apply for all these credit cards for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to use that and we're going to flip. And she says, okay. So I ended up getting $50,000 in credit mm-hmm. from credit cards. I do a little balance transfer, cash advance stuff, get the 50K in cash. And then um, I'm like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And so. But hold on. Why <laughs> do you need 50? Oh, because that was the first step. They're telling you, you don't use your own money. You go apply for credit. That was one of the ways, gotcha. right? Like, hey, you don't have 50K in cash? Well, here's ways you can get 50K in cash. Yeah. You can get credit. You can um, go borrow it from private money lenders, people you know that've got 50K. Like, there's a lot of ways to go get 50K. And so I was like, well, I don't know anybody rich. I'll just go apply for credit cards. And so that's what I did. <laughs> and, you know, sure enough, I find a deal a few months later and um, I pull the trigger and buy it. Um, a couple of weeks later after that, I find another deal. I still had some cash remaining. I said, you know what? Just buy it. We're already all in at this point. What's it matter? So I bought two houses and thankfully, you know, months later, both of them sold and I made uh, 40 grand on those two. And so for me, that was the first aha moment where I was like, now this I could do the rest of my life. Sure. If I bought one of these a month, you're talking a quarter million dollars a year. Yeah. And I'm good doing that. So that was my <laughs> that first big dream breakthrough. Come true. Quarter million dollars a year. Let's yeah, thousand percent. So that was my goal, man. It was never to do what I've done to this point. It was like, man, it was a journey. I got into real estate in 2010. I didn't have that breakthrough until 2015. It just shows like, you know, you don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you start, you start flipping houses. Obviously, it goes well goes well you know that because you have a bunch of businesses now it seems like you got to that point like am i gonna flip houses for the rest of my life that's exactly what happened <laughs> yep so it's funny dude you just keep progressing yeah, so 
you know, 2015, I start flipping houses. You know, um, I do five my first year, 20 my second year, 50 my third year, 150 my fourth year. So it scaled quick. And it was during that time I became like a true entrepreneur. I started figuring out how to hire people. Like, hey. It's 2015 to 2019 or 2016 to 2020? 2015 to 2018 is when all that happened. Gotcha. Um, You know, 2015, I'm by myself. 2016, I'm by myself. 2017, I hire one person. We do 50 together. 2018 is when I finally built a team. I hired sales guys. I hired marketing guys. I hired project managers, all that stuff, right? Um, In 2018, $2 million. $2 million. So 2018. I'm living a dream right now. Crazy. So... You know, 2018, I do that, and I finally have built like an organization, right, where I'm not the guy doing everything. Obviously, seven-figure company, and um, it's during this time that people just start asking me for all these things. Hey, Ryan, who's your CPA? Right, you know, who do you use? Obviously, what you do is is working. Can we get your CPA? And you know, um, eventually, I end up starting a tax company called TrueBooks um, shortly thereafter because. I kept getting asked so often. Now the first business after the um, business. That would have probably been the second business. The first business was actually Future Flipper because everybody was like, teach us how to flip houses. Got it. And got so it, what happened it. was I ended up getting tired of explain like so what what first happened is during this time, everybody's like, Can I take you out to coffee and pick your brain? Right. And I'm like, cool, sure. And then it just became this thing that was happening all the time. And I was like, you know what? In my first journey of like solving a problem permanently of creating like, you know, like what a lot of people do in entrepreneurship is they'll keep solving the same problem every single day without actually creating the thing that makes them never have to do it again. Right. So explain it, explain it, explain it. So whenever I catch myself having to do the same thing over and over again, I know for me, that's a sign that I need to create a system and a process for that. So I never have to do it again. So it can be automated to the fullest, mm-hmm. right? For instance, when it came to these coffee things, right? People wanted to know every single day how you do this. And they're like, I'll pay you, I'll me- you know, mentor me. And I'm like, I don't have time. I'm building my own business. I don't have time to sit here with you for an hour every day and, and do this. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to write a book. So I wrote my first book, Flip Your Future. And it was just a literal guide of everything of how to flip a house. And you start answering the same questions for different people over Over and over. Yeah. I'm like, I'm tired of answering this over and over again. It's obviously a a demand, a concern. So I'll write a book. So I wrote a book and it did great. And then I started getting this question over and over again. Well, Ryan, do you have like a course? I don't like reading books. So I'm like, okay, I'll create a course. So I film everything basically what the book teaches, but far more in depth. Mm -hmm. And I start selling this course. It's fine. Eventually, people are like, Ryan, can we do like a one-day event where you teach everything in one day? So sure enough, I run my first ever event later that year. Um, 10 people came to my office, three grand a piece, made 30 grand. I was like, wow, that was really cool to like <laughs> do an event like that. And you know, that was the start of things. But I still didn't want to coach people because I wanted it completely automated. Um, it was probably after two years after the initial like, book and everything before I finally started coaching people because my business was finally in a place where it was running without me and I'd learned how to do that. I felt comfortable enough saying, okay, now that I flipped 200 plus homes and I've built teams, I feel confident enough to be like, hey, let me take you from scratch. I know what you're going to go through and you know, I'll, I'll train you. And so 
that's basically how it all played out. Um, you know, the education came first, then tax, and then eventually these other things started happening um, with other businesses where I kept seeing demand from the same kind of people yeah. um, and the same problems coming up, right? When I started getting into social media heavily, so many people were like, dude, how did you grow it? How do you do it? And I'm like, ugh, all right, let me create a course. Mm-hmm. So I create a course, whatever, do that. And um, really, like, what it's come down to is every business I really start has been an answer to problems and questions and things that I constantly hear. Because if I hear that, that tells me nobody's providing the solution. Let's create it. Yeah, you've literally walked through the progression of success, how you become successful. It's like you're, people don't know that you being in the classroom, evaluating deals helps you evaluate deals. And then you go find the couches. Then you go get the process together to find couches to sell houses, which prepares you to go do the process to search for houses of deals. And you do the same. It's like you do the same exact thing. And they see it today where it's like, yo, he's got six businesses. We got all this stuff going on. But it's literally, you've just, taken a step at a time you solve problem at the problem yeah and that's the thing that people get confused is they want to work on a bunch of businesses all at once so for me i do not start a new business until the one is complete doing what i want it to do right Mm. so for instance you know uh i just launched my nft project you know once again totally things work man i mean are you real (laughs) <laughs> I know, I, honestly, I know your answer because you have one, but you got to give me the real deal on this stuff, man, because I don't know, I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me answer that question after finishing the thought. Yeah. So essentially, for the last nine months, I've been developing this NFT project, right? And we just launched um, this last, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but um, we reached the number one status of the most traded NFT in the entire world. Um, like two days ago. So congratulations. Thank you. Obviously uh, a big success and it's been a crazy journey, but I have not done anything, you know, like I have not been working on any new business or anything like that has been it right now. That business will get to the point where it's self-sufficient. Like obviously there's always all my businesses require something from me, whether it's me being the marketer, whether it's me thinking of the next event or product for that business. Like I'm always involved to some degree, but really what I'm trying to eliminate is the day-to-day involvement. I only want to think big picture, right? So, you know, NFT launched it. We still got a lot of things we got to do. So I'm still working on that. And then eventually once it's all settled and things are rolling, I should be less involved in the day-to-day. Then I would go on to my next project. And now a project could be a new product for an existing business that we want to launch, or it could be literally a whole new business, okay? So I basically work on one thing at a time. I launch it successfully, make it great. Yeah, NFT did $2.5 million, you know? That it was a very successful thing, and it will continue to be successful. Hold on, from the time you launched to today, how many? How long has it been? Um, well, we launched it last week, so it's been a week. Yo, how much? Two and a half million mm-hmm. in a week? Yeah. Well, right, I, I should say we we did some pre sales before, so we had already been collecting the money up until launch. But you know, how long were the pre sales? I kept pre-sale open for like a week, like maybe 
uh, a month and a half ago. I opened it up for pre-sale, said, hey guys, you can buy it at this super cheap price, pre-sale, buy it. And that did over $2 million. And then we finally launched it um, last week. And now, you know, I don't want to jinx it. I'm not even going to say what it's worth today on the show. And all that. <laughs> like, I'm not going to jinx it. So anyways, uh, long story short, I've been singularly focused on making sure that goes well. Not working on 12 things all at once, right? Listen, if I was going to teach you how to make a million dollars, would you give me 10000 like if I had a course teach you how to make a million dollars and you're positive, you're going to make a million dollars, would you give me 10000 Of course you would. It's no-brainer, right? So in a calendar year, we make seven figures with the podcast. But there's 21 things that I extracted from that that you're going to need to launch a podcast. But I only got time to give you three right now. One is you need a distribution platform. The distribution platform is what you upload your podcast to. That platform sends it to Spotify, Apple, Google Play, so that your supporters can actually listen to your podcast. You're also going to need a microphone. You need a really good microphone so it's crispy audio. And three, you need an income strategy. This is not necessarily a hobby, unless you're going to make it a hobby. But... I can teach you how I made the seven figures with these 21 things. Now, the good news is you don't have to give me 10,000. My ebook is only 37 bucks, okay? So listen, go to podcastebook.com and get the 21 things that you need. And I, I can explain it in detail, all the things that you need, okay? Podcastebook.com. Let's get to the episode. In the focus of the NFT, mm-hmm. have you seen some things um, uh, affected negatively in your other businesses because your mind is here? Yeah. So with the other businesses, there's always going to be things that break, right? Like let's think about the house living business. There's um, the market shifting, right? So it's not doing as good as it was doing the last two years. And so I need to step in and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to solve this issue. Here's what our strategy is going to be going forward in the next six months, right? And that takes a lot of mental energy to think through that and to research and do that. But then at that point, once the vision is set and once I do what I need to do, there's not much else for me to do, right? It's on the team and the operator and everyone else to execute the idea. The same is true with any of the other businesses. Like we go through so many problems. Like I want people to know that. To do business successfully, consistently, it just takes problem solving after problem solving because there are things that happen internally. Employees quit, uh, you know, your product just, kind of reaches its lifespan. You've got to innovate and create something new. Uh, All these things happen internally, right? And then there are things that happen externally, right? The market shifts on you. uh, We go into a recession. uh, A platform changes their rules. The city changes rules. So you're just constantly solving problems. So for me, my goal is that I hire such crazy good A players that they're able to solve the majority of these problems without me right? They're able to navigate the waters and make sure things happen. And if they don't know the answer, they're able to come to me and I can think through it and find the answer for how we want to go about this. That's how the relationships work. So you hire A players. A players. So, now, and I got to just kind of like get some coaching. How, so I've, I've kind of lived by the, the theory that I can develop people and they stick around longer and they're more loyal and they're not, they're not as, um, like you bring on somebody that's super talented, they know they're talented and maybe they're hard to fit into the system, but you invest a lot up front into people. Yeah, so I do the opposite of what most do. Most hire from the bottom up, meaning 
if you have an organizational chart, right, and let's just say everyone here is the CEO of their company, okay, and you know that the organization um, departments are, hey, we got sales, we got marketing, we got ops, okay, what most will do is they'll say, hey, I need a good sales guy. So they go try and find a good sales guy, right? And then they say, hey, I need somebody to run Facebook ads. So they go try and get somebody to run ads for marketing. And they say, hey, I need, you know, an admin or something on the ops side. I need an assistant, okay? So they go hire an assistant. Well, what they fail to realize is in this scenario. Just talk to me directly. Okay. I fail to realize. What you fail to realize in this scenario <laughs> is that, and a good book you'll need to read is Traction if you haven't read it is that there's actually two positions at the top, right? There's the CEO and the COO, okay? The CEO is the visionary of the company. The COO is the integrator of the company, okay? Most people who are entrepreneurs and visionaries and have great ideas are not good operators. It's just the way our brains work. So, you know, not to get off on a trail, but one thing we always do is give people personality tests to figure out how detail-oriented they are, how good of leaders they are, how visionary are they? All that stuff. Um, and each role requires a different type of personality, experience, skill set. And that's what Traction talks a lot about is the right people in the right seats. And so really what happens is the visionary is supposed to come up with the big ideas, lead, inspire, do all that, right? The integrator, the COO, is supposed to manage all the people underneath and make sure that those ideas get executed and things happen. So for me, what I do is I first look for my integrator in every single company I start. Because if I don't find the guy at the top, that means I'm the guy. <laughs> I have right, to manage right. these guys every day because who else will? Yeah. And I'm not trying to manage people every day, mm -hmm. right? I don't have time. I got too many companies. So if I'm managing day to day, it's impossible for me to innovate for the future. And so really, I hire top down. I say, if I find the A player integrator, COO, they will hire the sales guy. They will hire the marketing guy. They will hire the ops guy. And from there, I just went from having to hire four or five people to hiring one guy who then hires the rest. And for me, my direct influence and success of the company will most likely be through communicating with this one person because I'm basically imparting everything I want to happen on them, and they're able to go do it for me. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Versus me having an individual conversation with the sales team. Now I got to go have a meeting with the marketing team. Now I got to go have a meeting with ops. Now I got to go do all these things. And it becomes impossible when that's really the COO's job. And so 
I hire top down. Now, gra- granted, hiring top down means you're going to pay more money because most entrepreneurs don't realize they are the CEO and the COO when they start. Whereas I would rather hire this integrator off the bat and allow them to do the day to day. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. So NFT, explain this to me, please, because like there's mixed mixed uh, conversation about NFT. Right. And I think I kind of understand you got to have like some NFTs are utility, some are like yep. art kind of. Yep. So what's yours? Explain it. Mine's utility. Um, so long story short, okay. I got into NFTs. Well, I got into crypto back in 2017. I bought Bitcoin at the top, watched it tank. Mm. I'm like, ah, oh, crypto sucks. And <laughs> sure, kind of like my real estate journey where I'm like, real estate sucks. Until I realized later down the road, like, oh, I was just doing it wrong. When um, it took this last dip, did you load up or did you just? Uh... Um, so throughout 2020 and 2021, I was like trading in and out. I was buying Bitcoin. I was buying Ethereum. I was buying NFTs. Like I was doing everything. Um, but sure enough, in 2021, I started buying these NFTs and trying to experience why is there so much hype around this? Like, what am I missing? Because to me, I was like, you, I'm like, I don't get it. You're just buying art. That's kind of dumb. And though some are like that, and they're just basically collectibles in nature, um, there are many that are utility based. And so to give an easy example, one of the first ones I ever bought was a golf one. And their mission was, hey, if you buy our NFT, um, all the money we raise, from the purchase of this NFT, we're going to go buy a golf course, okay? And the people who own the NFT are going to have the right to buy um, a membership to that course, right? It doesn't give you membership because it's not enough money. The golf course needs member fees and all that stuff. But you can't buy a membership without this NFT, right? And you guys are going to be able to vote on the golf course. You guys are going to be able to have like say over what the rules are, you know, all these things. Cool. So I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's cool. And um, there's many other examples of different NFTs where they had cool utility. Well, for me, you know, I was watching guys like Gary V um, and what he did with V friends. And I said, okay, this makes sense, right? If you buy a V friend, you're in the community, he's going to hold these massive events, you get a ticket to the event. You know, and certain NFTs have special events with Gary and all this stuff. I'm like, that's cool. I get it. Um, and so when I started thinking about NFT, many people approached me. They're like, Ryan, we can do it for you. You know, we can I'm getting s- that now. Yeah. And they were like, we can um, sell your courses and your mastermind and all this stuff through the NFT and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? It, to me, that doesn't solve any problem because I can sell my course to my mastermind anyway. Why do I need NFT to sell it? That's dumb. And they were like, well, you know, the beauty is when you sell it this way, the people have ownership and access into it. So it's like, unlike a normal mastermind where if you buy in, um, you can't sell your membership. Like if you stop using it, you stop using it. Well, with an NFT, you can go transfer it to somebody else if you get tired of it, whatever. So it's actually very good for the consumer, right? Um, And so I started to think, okay, I I understand that from the the education perspective. But one thing that became super clear to me as I started looking into crypto and blockchain and understanding it was that real estate is by far the biggest industry that is going to change with the blockchain, okay? Because real estate is the biggest industry that's going to change with the blockchain. mm -hmm. How, though? Because they're doing like virtual land and stuff. That's just... 
I think that's like the far out of what will change, right? I think the metaverse land and like metaverse real estate, I think that's going to be a thing down the road, not anytime soon. Okay. What I'm referring to is the actual technology of tokenization and blockchain and how it can change real world real estate, you know, very soon. So for example, right. Um, the reason the blockchain is great is because it shows ownership publicly, right? Um, you know, one example I always give people is like, okay, right now, if you go to sell me your house, uh, there's a chain of title and we got to pay the title company, all these fees and the city, all these fees. And there's a bunch of fees you got to pay and it's very slow. It's inefficient. You also buy title insurance to protect you in case you're being defrauded. And you know, there's these things you can see. Well, the blockchain basically makes all of that irrelevant because if you own the piece of real estate and it's on the blockchain, you have, call it the NFT to that home or a token for that home. There's no debate who owns it. You cannot transfer it if you don't own it. Mm -hmm. All the fraud goes away. And if somebody wants to lien your property or anything else, it's all public on the blockchain. You can see exactly who is owed what. Okay. If a mortgage company wants to do it, it's right there. Nobody can say it's not. And so when you think about that and you think about real estate as a whole right now, uh, you can only buy and sell real estate on the weekdays. You know, if your wire doesn't clear by one o'clock, right. <laughs> it doesn't go through. Don't let it be Labor Day. Yeah, don't let it be Labor Day. Like all these things <laughs> that just have been archaic for the last however many years, they go away at the blockchain. If I want to sell you my house on Saturday, you know, I could transfer you it on the blockchain and it's done. Now, granted, there's going to be a ton of regulation and things that happen with this. Like, it's not going to be an overnight thing, but it will be a thing. I can promise you that because it's way more efficient. It's actually way more secure. Well, if you can make sure your wallet's secure, but it's way more trustworthy. It's all public. There's no fraud of who owns what, right? That's one way. Another way is basically fractionalizing real estate, you know, with prices getting so high and people getting priced out of buying houses and things. I believe people are going to start buying a lot of properties together in the near future. Um, And people already do this with funds and syndications, right? Like, so I have a fund right now. We've bought over 500 units. And what happens is somebody gives us money, accredited investors, and, you know, they invest in like minimum of 50K chunks. And they know going into it, their money's locked up for the next five years. That's just part of the deal investing in a fund because it takes time for us to get these apartments stabilized and rented and all that stuff. Well, if I was able to offer it to anyone and everyone at 10 bucks or 100 bucks, you know, and I instead gave them a token that was tradable. Well, now all of a sudden, you're opening it up for lots of people to invest in a project. You're also opening it up for more liquidity to enter into the real estate market because all these people who have only a thousand bucks or whatever, um, they can't buy any real estate period. They're never going to buy, but, but now they can also what you're opening up is the ability to exit a deal way faster because right now, if you want to exit out of a fund, you really can't, you're waiting five years to get paid. If you want to sell your house today, you're going to wait a little bit to go find a buyer and do that, right? But if I own tokens in this particular building that we're in right now, right? We we bought it tokenized and, you know, you got a bunch of tokens, I got a bunch of tokens and 
all the other investors got tokens too. If you want to sell, go list your tokens yeah. on the market and go sell them and, and get cash out. If you think that the building's gone up in value the last couple of years or you're in a crunch, you need your money back, right. now you can. So essentially what blockchain and everything is going to create is this more efficient market. And it's going to really make real estate more liquid than it is today. And it's going to happen. There's, right. there's just no way it doesn't. Is that what your NFT is wrapped around? Real estate? Yes. So my, basically, we talked about solving problems earlier. So the problem is, I've talked about this concept after it finally occurring to me and talking to a lot of smart people, that this is happening. In fact, there are companies that already do this, okay? It's just not mainstream yet, oh, wow. right? And so if this is going to be the norm where it's like, why would you invest in my fund if I can't let you get your money back for five years when the norm is, hey, you can go trade at any point if you want to get liquid again. Sure. For me, as the guy who has the property, I don't care if you trade. I've already got the money. We've already bought the asset. It does not matter to me what you want to do. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. So for me, um, thinking through this and everything, uh, and I've talked about it on podcasts and YouTube and stuff, uh, lots of people are like, I agree. What now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. knowing so this that, information. That's my next thought. Okay, what, how do I get in this? What exactly. So that was where the NFT came about. I was like, you know what? We're going to solve a problem and create the number one community around real estate and blockchain. And we're going to have trainings on real estate so that crypto people can understand the nuances of real estate and investing and all that. And then we're going to have crypto training for the real estate people so they understand the blockchain, right? And we're going to have big events. We're going to run it just like I run my other masterminds and companies. You know, we got chats, we got all that stuff. And then we're also going to take it to another level and add the elements of what makes normal NFTs special, having great art, um, you know, doing all these different gamification aspects to it. And that's why it's been ultra successful is because it solves a need that's going to be huge. And like the main goal of it being, obviously we want to educate, but the real plan is if I can attract the people that want to go into the space and create the businesses in this space and do deals in this space, I've got them all. You're teaching real estate and for people, yeah, you're teaching real estate, crypto, and the thing that they just bought, like teaching them the whole NFT building businesses. Because you're going to experience it and you're going to start to understand, okay, this is how it all works. Now I can start to visualize for my own self, if I want to build a business in this space that's going to happen, just it's not here today, but it will happen. And you're going to be prepared. And the beauty is, for me anyways, I'm going to partner with a lot of these people. Because there's going to be people with great ideas. There's going to be people who got a lot of money. They want to invest. They want to do all this stuff. And so for me, if I'm the head of it, and I'm the guy who everyone looks to for this new industry, I'm just going to kill it. Like, that's just what it is. How much was, okay, What what like, I, I know what comes with it, but how are you selling it as if it's, on a menu, what did they get and how much was it at launch? Because I, what I understand about NFTs is like, it might be one price today, yeah. it's another price tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, at launch, um, you know, if people bought during the pre-sale, the, the cheapest price was 500 bucks for one NFT. Really? It's cheap. So, you know, people, there was 5,000 total, that was the cap, 
And so, like I said, we sold almost two and a half million bucks worth. Um, Hold on, there was 5,000 NFTs that went out. Mm-hmm. Pre-sale was $500. Yeah. Meaning, okay, and I'm just trying to understand it. Meaning if all 5,000 of those people bought their NFT at $500, it'd be sold out. Nobody can ever spend any more. On the mint. So the mint is just when the NFT actually goes public on the blockchain, it's now official. Got it. Okay. So what happens now is all that mint money goes to me and my team. Yep. And obviously we have a ton of cost with everything we're producing, whatever, right? So, you know, a bunch of that goes towards all the cost, all the things we're going to do in the future, profit, all those things. Now that those people have minted, right? Well, we did it different than everyone else. What typically happens is in the crypto space, you mint right then and there. So people will go to um, whatever the minting website, they'll pay in Ethereum or credit card right there. They'll buy it that day and like however many mint, mint, and that's it. But I knew with my audience being mainly non-crypto people, they're not going to know how to do it. So I did a pre-sale, just credit card only, and said, hey, if you buy it with the credit card, we're going to help you get set up in the crypto space. We're going to teach you how to get a wallet. We're going to teach you how this works. And you're going to have time so that come mint day, you're prepared. I love it. And so that's what happened. We pre-sold the majority of them. And then come mint day, they basically got a free NFT because they already paid during the pre-sale. Nobody's ever done it that way. Got it. And it was just an idea that came to me that was like, I don't know why no one's done this yet, but this is a smarter way to do it. And so (laughs) I did it that way. And what happened was, you know, a week ago we minted. So now these NFTs started going on the blockchain and are available. And at that point, right, with the NFT, you now get access to all these things we're going to talk about. But if somebody else wants to get in, like you, for instance, at this point, there are no more to sell you. Right. Like I can't sell you one, but you can go buy one on the I'm aftermarket. Has mm-hmm. And what are they selling for right now? At the very moment of this podcast, the minimum worst one is about 4,000. What? Yeah. So if I got in early $500, yeah. someone could buy mine. I said, well, all right, I'll sell it to you. Give me 4,000. I'm up $3,500 because I just took action quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what happened. Can I do one? We can do one. I'll help you out. Yep. I really want to, I don't know. I don't even know what it's going to be. It'll be something around podcasting or like entrepreneurship training. Yeah. That's cool, man. Cause I, I didn't want to just sell no, nobody, no art. Like, uh, no, no, no. Art. Like, and so for me, the utility is the number one thing, right? But our art is top notch. Like I, hi, I spent, can I see it? You got one on here? Um, my camera guy will show you. I, I spent, you got it on you? Yeah. I spent 250 grand on art alone because I, I was like, I want everything. You spent $250,000 on getting artists to create these. Mm-hmm. Nobody does that. Most people just go to Fiverr and go get some cheap art. I hired, I hired a guy named Robbie Trevino who, um, works for star Wars, all these things. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. Wow. So we spent a lot of money on just art alone because I want it to be top notch. That's you, right? That's me. <laughs> so, okay. How many different characters do you have? There's 5,000. 5,000 different characters. Mm-hmm. The way it works to get to 5,000 is um, 
they're computer generated, meaning we create whatever, 10 different hairs, 10 different shirts, 10 different, you know, they're all different how many there are. Mm -hmm. And then the computer automatically generates them at random with those different things. Okay, so I see a bunch of people's names, right? You got Mindy Pineda. I'm my imagine, wife. I imagine it's your wife, yep. Co-founder, Arm. Armor. Armor. Yeah. Then we got Daniel. We got Juan. Yeah. So, like all of your people, you got one? Oh, uh, no, I don't. You don't have one? No, I don't, man. You must have came late, man. He did come late. Uh, I actually gave all my employees one, one, one free. All your employees got an NFT for free, meaning right now at the time of this podcast, they've got like, it's almost like a stock that just went up. Yeah. 800%. Well, infinite for them. It's free. Infinite. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so for instance, we got Robbie Trevino. Who's Robbie? That's what I was saying. That's, so that was our lead artist. Um, gotcha. And so he oversaw all the art development with Amr. They got the same hair? Because he got the little hair. <sighs> So, okay, so everybody gets one. And I'm imagining, so let's just say, for instance, Robbie, who has a green shirt, brown shorts. A second one might be a red shirt with black shorts. Yeah, maybe green hair. A you green know. hair. Like, yeah. different nuances change. Yep, but, you know, person. his overall, if he looks like that, he might not have that big Rolex that's on his arm right there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then the, you put it in the computer, the computer generates mad different versions of the Ryan. Yeah. and Is Ryan more expensive? Well, there's only one Ryan. So there's also very special one, one of ones that mm. no, like they're, they're not computer generated. They're hand-drawn one-time deals. Do you own the Ryan? Of course. And I would imagine your wife owns the Mindy. Yep, yep. Well, so what's the point of having these one-offs if no one can buy them? Well, there are, so obviously the team's ones will never be sold, right? right? But there are seven one-of-ones that went out during the mint. So when you mint, it's all random. We have different rarities. So there's five different rarity levels. And, you know, at the highest rarity, there are seven one-of-ones. And they're like super legit for what they get. Who are, yeah, first off, my favorite is Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's NFTSR. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. 
But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal so the so i could have gotten lucky and got one of these one of ones yeah anybody it's just pure randomness of who gets what rarity hypothetically if most of them are selling at five hundred dollars, uh-huh. or not five hundred, and most of them are selling like at four thousand dollars, right? That one of one would be worth. Yeah, so I mean, each rarity is obviously worth more, right? I'm saying the cheapest one is about four thousand dollars right now. Um, somebody mistakenly sold their one of one, or two people sold one of ones, like on the first day when the price of the NFTs were like. 1500 bucks, right? Because it slowly yeah. kept going up. It started at five, then it was, you know, 600, 1000, 1500, like whatever, right? So one guy sold his at um, seven Ethereum, which is like, uh, what is that at today's time? Um, it's like $10,000 ish, right? So somebody sold a one of one at 10,000. And, you know, it's definitely worth a lot more than that now. Um, yeah, but. We haven't announced everything that a one of one gets. So that's the beauty of NFTs too, is you got to always keep people on their toes of what's coming Mm -hmm. because that keeps people engaged and wanting to hold and be a part of it. So the one of ones are actually getting, when's this podcast getting released? I don't know, but it depends on when mine gets released. Yeah. yeah. So so I don't, I can't (laughs) say what, okay. So I don't want to say what the one of ones get, but, uh, yeah, they're getting some really valuable stuff that are cool. Um, yeah, if this is getting released in a month, who knows what the NFT is worth? Hopefully a lot more than what we're talking about today. But, you know, and that's how crypto NFTs are, dude. They're, they're like this, man. Yeah. You could be on top of the world one day. 
you know, whatever. But for me anyways, as the guy creating the NFT, I know for everyone that bought at $500, you're going to get way more than $500 of value. That's the dumbest thing you do for your community. It does not matter what the NFT is worth. Like you're going to get way more and all the trainings, the relationships, the events. So, you know, even though it's, it's cool to have them be worth a lot. Um, and that is obviously like something we aspire to do is like really, you know, keep adding value. So people perceive the price and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, that's still not the main point. It, it could be the main point for people who are buying it just to flip and, you know, all that stuff, whatever. If you want to flip them, I ain't never going to hate, like I'm, I flip things for a living. Yeah. But um, for the people who buy it for the long-term vision of what we're doing, um, they'll be rewarded significantly more than whatever they might flip it for. And I didn't even mention all the other things that it comes with. Like we have basically tiers of holders, right? So if you have one, you know, obviously you're in the community, you're getting a bunch of stuff. If you have five or more, it puts you into a new tier that gets better perks. And then if you have 20 then, you know, obviously you're a baller and <laughs> we call that the boardroom. Yeah. And so at the time of this filming, there are over 30 people who have 20. And so this is like our boardroom where they're going to get special stuff and, you know, access and all these things. Like we're holding a board meeting um, in three weeks just for the boardroom. Um, it's going to be at a house I bought here for one and a half million dollars that only the holders can stay at. I for you know, I could have Airbnb'd in, rented in, made money, but I'm dedicating it solely to my holders. And so they're going to oh, be able nice. to buy nights there with um, their coins that their NFTs produce. The NFTs produce are um, something called Tycoin, mm-hmm. a native cryptocurrency. And so they're going to be able to use the coin to go buy things um, like stays at this house. They're going to be able to buy things on our marketplace like my products and services, my coaching courses. And then also the members of the community can post their own products and services and price them in Tycoin. And so Mm. now what happens, this is why it was the number one NFT in the world because of we thought it out so differently. So what happens now is if you own an NFT, you know, you can apply to put your product or service on the marketplace and you've got to price it in Tycoin, right? And from there, if you don't have a big audience like you or I, you're just kind of a normal person, maybe you're a really good graphic designer or you build websites, you run funnels, you, you do ads great, right? You can put it on the marketplace or you've got your own Airbnbs that you want to put on there. And it basically adds more value to the overall community sure. by doing this. And also it adds value to you because now you get all this exposure that you otherwise wouldn't have had. Hey, and I look, I know you gotta go. You gotta you gotta call <laughs> one, one question, one question. All right. Here's what I don't understand though. After five thousand NFTs are sold, right, you as the entrepreneur, yeah, has to service this community, but you can't make any more money. Right. So there's multiple ways. Okay, so for one, this is why most NFT projects die, because they have no revenue streams beyond that, right? right? So I've created multiple revenue streams that will make me a lot of money, right? I'm not doing this for free. I'm trying to make money. Of course. So the first is that, first and foremost, even if I lost money running tykes, it would still be a net win because it would just be a marketing expense to sell all my other products and services. Mm, To this captive audience. Yeah, they're getting all this stuff. 
You don't think they're going to go buy coaching and tax and all this other stuff. So for one, even if Tykes itself didn't make money, it would still be well worth it. It's very much like my social media today. We were talking earlier about the podcast and monetizing. Mm -hmm. I lose money on social media every month. You know, we spend over across all my channels over $60,000 a month producing content. I don't make 60,000 in AdSense or sponsors, right? Because <laughs> I shout out my own companies because yeah. they make me way more. So I'm cool losing money as a marketing expense. That's, that's, it's not even losing money. It's just yeah. investing. And the government's going to give them that. Yeah. So um, that part for sure. But as far as how you would keep the NFT going in the long run, well, what most projects do is a second mint, right? If the first mint is successful, they'll do a second one, right? So there's only 5,000. Let's just say this NFT is worth, I don't know, 10 grand, right? And most people are like, dude, I can't buy in. Well, you can create a, a weaker version at say 2,000 bucks, right? And 1,000 bucks and right. allow people to get in that way. And they'll, they'll obviously get way less than the people who have that other stuff. And you got to just figure out, hey, what's fair for everyone? Um, so that's one way a lot of projects raise money. The second way they may raise money is through royalties. So every time the NFT trades hands on the open market, you can set your royalty percentage. Now, the royalty percentage varies. I mean, you'll see projects anywhere from, you know, no royalty to 20% royalty. I would say like the standard is probably 5 to 10%, depending on the price of the NFT. Our royalty percentage is 7%, okay? so. In this first week of trading on the open market, we had over a thousand ETH um, in volume. So ETH is called sixteen hundred bucks. That's one point six million dollars in volume. So take seven percent of one point six million. It's like one hundred and ten thousand dollars in royalties I made. Oh wow! In a week, right? So that covers a lot That's of money. Yeah, for sure. That's that, cool. that covers That's operating that. costs pretty good. Yeah. In just one week, right? Our, and that our, never stops. You get paid forever. That's passive income, by the way. Um, so that's that's one way that you can do it. The second or another way that we're personally doing it is through the marketplace that I just told you about, right? Yeah. So on the marketplace, we'll take a percentage of every transaction that goes through the marketplace. And so we'll be able to make money every time someone buys a product or service. You know, all of these things are meant to continue to feed the project itself. You know, they're not being greedy or any, it's just like, hey, if we can self-sustain by creating win-win scenarios where everyone's incentivized for the right things, it's going to be, it's going to work really well. Um, you know, the last way would go back to the first one of like, hey, if, if I sell stuff with my other companies, it's all good. So, you know, we're going to hold a massive event, the first ever real estate and Web3 event, like the biggest. Mm -hmm. And you can guarantee my companies will have booths of course, <laughs> at those events. Of course right? We'll sell stuff. So the event itself will make me money. So like there's all, and, and by the way too, that's not even counting all the deals that happen with the members. How many deals are going to happen in real estate and starting businesses in affiliates? Like there's so many ways to make money when you have, you already know, when you have an engaged community that believes in the vision, they're getting value. If you do all that, you'll create ways that they want to spend money and continue to work together. I wish we had more time, man. We have to do a part. We have to do a part. I'm going to, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to, um, and this is what's going to happen by the way. I'm already telling, I'm going to just call it out on air. What happens is I do something successfully like for me 
And then everybody asked me, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Right? So I already know the NFT thing is going to be. 100%. Hey, <laughs> what do we got to do to, you know, consult me or do my project? You know, so. Absolutely. That is um, something I'm sure is going to happen, even though that's not really the intention, right? My focus is growing tykes and dominating, but. I got, I got, I got three minutes. I got to ask you this last question. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Because I want you to be able to answer the question. And then we watch this interview five years from today. I say, yo, Ryan said he was going to do that. And look, he did it five years later. Here's the deal, dude. I, I do not think that far out. Like truthfully, mm-hmm. um, if you'd asked me this five years ago, there's no way I would have said, I'm doing what I'm doing today. I didn't like making videos. NFTs weren't a thing, you know, right, like right, right. Uh, I didn't want to coach people. I didn't want to do any of the things that I now, now doing six reels a day. Like, yeah. Like crazy. I, I, ne- I didn't want to do the things that I now do today at, you know, a high level. And I tell people this all the time too. 2016. So it's now been six years, but last year it was relevant. Five years ago was the first time I ever made six figures in a year. Mm. right? So to go from, you can make six figures in a year to two and a half million dollars in a week with an NFT, you know, how do you predict that? You can't predict that five years from now. So when you ask me today, what am I going to do five years from now? I have no idea, dude. Like I'm, I'm focused on getting what I got to get done today, done, continuing to see where God kind of leads me next. I'm sure at some point, uh, you like, like you said, with house flipping, I'm not super concerned about trying to flip more houses. It's not my focus because I'm focused on bigger things now with, you know, what I'm calling digital real estate and NFTs. I'm focused on buying big apartments. You know, I'm focused on building my brand because those are all higher value uses of my time. So if I were to guess, even though this is not what I do, if I were to guess, I'd say, well, at that point, I would assume I probably got a couple banger businesses. Like I would, I would guess more so I consolidated a lot of the lesser businesses into maybe I sold them. Maybe, you know, I'm just completely out of them period. And like, I'm just a passive board member on them and you know, whatever. And I think I'll probably have gotten a couple that are really big, like maybe hundreds of millions of dollars, like big, maybe Mm. billion. I don't know. Who knows, dude? Yeah. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? Ryan, thank you so much. We'll have some links in the, the description uh, for people to uh, connect with you, uh, support you, learn you know some of your products and offering. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we can have a, a discount code on something. Just make it social proof. Okay, Okay, cool. just promo yeah. code social proof. All right, anything you want to close it out with? Man, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I think um, what's probably most relevant to your audience uh, is... Uh, you know, getting into real estate investing. That's what got me started in all this stuff. I think whether you're a W-2 person, real estate investing is always going to be great for you. If you want to make it your main business, it's going to be great for you. Um, and, you know, if you end up wanting to get into that, um, like David just said, uh, just tell us, go to futureflipper.com and tell us you came from Social Proof and we'll give you guys a deal. There we have it. Listen, we, we can't close it out no better than that. Do yourself a favor. One, follow Ryan and all the amazing things he's doing. Get your F- NFT. Get you some real estate. Whatever he's doing, just do that, okay? And also, uh, go become really, really successful, but you got to get you some social proof, meaning go build you something then come back to your community and teach them how you did it. It's the only way our communities grow. We're out of here. Peace. Hopefully, this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, 
and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.